Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. 46% of Americans expect to leave behind financial obligations when they pass away. So it's crucial to make sure your family is financially protected. Policy Genius helps you find the right life insurance coverage by comparing options from America's top insurers with help from licensed, award-winning agents. Secure your financial future with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get free life insurance quotes in just a few clicks. That's policygenius.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras. Now, it's summertime, and that means it's time to start getting our trail cameras ready and our trail cameras out to start capturing pictures of velvet bucks. And our friends at Exodus are kicking things off with Velvet Fest. Now, what is Velvet Fest? Long story short, Velvet Fest is the opportunity for you to win a variety of different prizes just by purchasing Exodus Trail Cameras, one of the best trail cameras on the market. Now, until July 12th, when you purchase any trail camera, you will be automatically entered into a drawing to win a variety of prizes from companies like Wicked Tree Gear, Maven Rifle Scopes, Tethered Tree Saddles, and of course, Exodus Trail Cameras. Be sure to follow Exodus on Facebook and Instagram, and be sure to visit ExodusOutdoorGear.com for more information on Velvet Fest. Your life will be changed when you kill your first animal. Uh, and with with a stick because you'll go this can happen and right. and i believe that, that when that happens and some for some people it took me a few years before i did but when that happens i, I don't know that you ever go back i despise the game of golf so i can't believe i'm <laughs> bringing this up on the barony magazine podcast but you hear you hear people talk about golf how it's like this game you never perfect you know you just keep working and, and that's what people that have nothing else to do in their life choose to do when they want to be golfers but traditional archery is like that it's like no matter how long you've done it you're you still have to be on your a game my name is clay newcomb and i'm the host of the bear hunting magazine podcast i'll also be your host into the world of hunting the icon of north american wilderness the bear We'll talk about tactics, gear, conservation, but we'll also bring you into some of the wildest country on the planet, Chasing Bear. All 
On this episode of the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast, we're still in the wild places of British Columbia, Canada with Jeff Lander and Primitive Outfitting. We're talking with Jeff, but also his good buddy and now my good buddy, Dave Kieber. Dave is an Alaskan resident and a lifelong traditional archer. So Dave talks about hunting in Alaska, hunting brown bears, but we really just kind of have a campfire you know, roundtable discussion of traditional archery, why we do it, the self-imposed limitations of traditional archery, and just lots of general great discussion. Jeff talks about a hunt that he and Dave were on just that week. I also want to bring your attention to some of our good buddies at the Western Bear Foundation. Western Bear Foundation is based out of Cody, Wyoming. These guys are hunters, and they are in the heat of and in the, at the epicenter of the, the issues revolving around bears out west, and they're taking a big stance, and, and the Western Bear Foundation is rewriting the narrative for how hunters are involved inside of the bear world. As you guys know, there's a lot of... A lot of hype, a lot of negative stuff going on with the delisting of the grizzly bear out in the greater Yellowstone ecosystem. Well, Joe Condellis and the Western Bear Foundation are right in the heat of it. They're a, they're a non-profit organization, a membership-driven non-profit organization, and they're standing up for hunters. And the way that I would describe them inside of rewriting the narrative is that they're actually doing things that are keeping bears on the landscape. They're using the funds that they have currently for two projects. Last summer, they installed bear-proof bear-proof food containers in some of the hotspot camping regions in the area. And basically, they're saying, hey, we don't want bears getting in trouble here and then have to be killed. We don't want them to be euthanized. They're putting their money where their mouth is to keep bears on the landscape, and that's what hunters do. The other place that they're putting money in right now is that they're buying collars for research projects. They're funding research in uh, in the greater Yellowstone region, and and basically what they're the the message that we're sending to the anti-hunting community, those that are against our lifestyle and way of life and way of thinking, is that they're saying. Hey, we're interested in bears on the landscape. We are interested in bears thriving in this ecosystem. And we're hunters. And uh, the Western Bear Foundation, great organization. Check them out. Become a member. And, uh, you know, here's the truth. If you're a member of the Western Bear Foundation, you're going to get Bear Hunting Magazine sent to your house six times a year. So it's a great way to get bear hunting magazine but also support a great nonprofit that is doing some stuff out west for bears so we are in british columbia canada we're at the at the world headquarters of primitive outfitting with jeff lander and we've got jeff's good buddy and now my good buddy dave kieber here and uh this is the this is the sixth day that I've been here, Jeff. We've had an incredible time. Saw 
big bears every day, put stocks on big bears every day. The only complaint I have about British Columbia is uh, inconsistent wind. Mm -hmm. I don't know if there's any way you could – is there anything you could do about that? Hunt next to the railroad when these trains are going by. Yeah. The wind is going the way they're going. Or culverts. Or culverts. Culverts. When I was went creek well, bottoms. That's another that's another story. Culvert wind has to go through. Mm-hmm. Man, I've already dug us a hole we can't get out of. Stalked a bear through a culvert a few days ago. No, hey, we're gonna talk about traditional archery. Jeff Jeff is a longtime hardcore traditional archer. And Dave as well is a longtime hardcore traditional archer. These guys have a wealth of experience and knowledge and success and just so that's really what we're talking about because right now what i see inside of the hunting world is people looking for different ways to enjoy the resource different ways to to challenge themselves inside of hunting and you know when i was growing up in the 90s that's kind of when i came of age to hunt killing a deer with a compound bow dave was a big deal i was the only kid in my school that had ever done it and uh, and at the and when my dad was uh, in the seventies, started hunting with compounds and stuff. I mean, he was the only guy in his town killing deer consistently with a bow. And so, like that was a big enough challenge, you know. And then, man, by the late nineties, early two thousands, everybody and their daughter was killing deer with compound bows. I mean, people just became better hunters. Technology became better, and that is when I was introduced to traditional archery by a gentleman that is to this day a, a mentor to me and uh i he talked about hunting with a trad bow on public land in arkansas and i i remember just thinking that's the way bow hunting ought to be done and from a personal standard and i think that's something that we can't do is tell somebody else what they're supposed to do we we just got to be true to what we want to get out of hunting you know and uh and so my journey was, and I'm not here to talk about me, but, you know, over the course of 15 years kind of transitioned to now where really my primary weapon is usually going to be a traditional bow, even though I still use compounds, still use a rifle some. Mm-hmm. But, Jeff, tell me about your, your you talked about it a little bit this morning, but like your history into and how you got into trad bow hunting. Yeah, I mean, I was did a little bit with the compound for a few years and really enjoyed it i don't really remember who got me into the compound that was back in the martin days the overdraw right you know the 2216s which a lot of kids these days wouldn't know what a 2216 2216s but um and then i worked at when i was in seattle i worked for a um, place called salvino sports dick salvino was good friends with uh or friends with schaefer shot schaefer's bows I uh, was pretty opinionated, as most traditional guys, traditional shooters are. Mm-hmm. Pretty opinionated about what they shoot, and uh, and so I started at his range shooting his well, his Schaefer, and then he, another guy named Rocky Miller, who's no longer making bows. Um, Heritage Archery was shooting his bows, and then I just ended up buying one. So at first, it was a little bit of peer pressure from. You know, right. my boss, just for fun, and then it became enjoyable. Started shooting some 3D shoots in the summer times. Realized what <clears throat> what heat does to a recurve bow. You know, yeah. 100 degree weather down in eastern Washington delaminated yeah. my bow before. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, first shot at the at the range, it 
no eliminated. Way. So yeah, hmm. um, and then just kind of went from there, you know, with college and 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 success didn't start off right away, you know. I mm-hmm. mean, unlike the compound, it it, it was frustrating, but just kind of stuck with it. We had little babies, so it wasn't like I was going on a lot of hunts, but. Uh, yeah. Then just what did you it. what drew you to that challenge to that level of challenge? Because you could have stuck with a compound. Mm, I don't know. Just uh, the simple, how simple it was. The simplicity then, of it, and then making you know arrows and splicing feathers, and even made my own self bow a few times. Yeah, that didn't work out real well. Don't have <laughs> that craftsmanship like a lot of these guys do. Yeah, else, but uh, yeah, that's kind of how it started. And then I started shooting the um north american longbow safari okay and there's a guy in uh up in uh, alberta bert frailing's his name and he was the the leader of our group and i didn't know that it was a broadhead only shoot and wood arrows and so i showed up to this thing i, I just had whatever aluminum arrows and this guy gave me like eight beautifully crafted cedar arrows with spliced feathers and 190 grain grizzlies on it Mm. and yeah so the community is is also what attracted me it's just a real tight-knit community yeah um like-minded folks so that's kind of how it started and then yeah just went from a progression of you know the first longbow i bought from rocky was 80 pounds i figured you have Mm. to have similar to what my compound was right yeah yeah and then uh and then went into self bows like john strunk and so i kind of went down that road for a while yeah yeah the name of your outfit is primitive outfitting Mm -hmm. so i mean you 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 like the idea of traditional archery Mm -hmm. just kind of the philosophy of it but as a as a business owner i also like compounds (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> gotta go have compound guys in here. Yeah, yeah, and I don't mind rifles either. So, hey, introduce Dave to us. I know he could do a good job, but I bet you could do better. Mm. I met Dave. Dave came up or came down from Alaska to hunt grizzlies, and that was probably ten years ago. Yeah, yeah. I taught Dave everything he knows about running the river. Okay. And uh, so we were floating the river. I'd never really. Wait a minute. Are we inside of an inside joke here and don't know it? Okay. Okay. It's the other way around. So (laughs) so Dave and I were, we were going down the river and and I'd really never navigated a river with a raft. Here? Yeah. On my, one of the rivers in the area. And I was taking his hat off. I was just on blowdowns and he pulled, he says, get over to the side. And I get to the side and he. He gives me the the quick Alaska rundown on. Right on. Tired of losing his Sitka. So you took. You were like, okay, Mister Outfitter, let me drive this boat. Well, I, it became immediate apparent that the the guy, you know, just couldn't drive a boat. <laughs> you know, down the river, and uh, it, it got to the point where every willow tree along that river was uh, was a target. You know, I mean, it, it was fun, but uh, I lost a, a outstanding hat on that. I was sick. Of, don't worry about it. Yeah. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm I agree. Sick it. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of how it worked. And and we had a good good hunt. He had an opportunity, a very big grizzly, and that's for another day. But then it ends up that he hunted with me. I don't even know if two or three times in the Edmonton Bow Zone or more, and the same down in in my mule deer camp. And 
that buck that's above your head right now is one that he shot. Right, um, yeah. And then uh, Dandy. he came here a few years ago. Uh, did, you, did you come here two or three years in a row? I don't even remember, one or two. Yeah, a couple. <clears throat> and then, um, yeah, then last year you took a year off when he had some, some heart work done, and which is a miracle in itself that he's sitting here right now. Yeah. Um, still cranky, but we're glad he's still uh, kicking around and yeah, giving me a hard time. Yeah, so, yeah. But he's a he's a veteran traditional archer, big time. Yeah, big time. Yeah, Dave. Why don't you introduce yourself? Just a little little bit of history. Yeah. How How old are you, Dave? Well, I'm 65 now. Yeah. And uh, I started. Uh, I didn't have a choice. First off, when I started. It was uh, longbows and recurves. Pull your, pull your. There, there. It was. There uh, go. yeah. Is that good? Yes. It was longbows and recurves only, and uh, I didn't have a choice. Back in the sixties. Well, it was nineteen sixty-seven. Yeah. Yeah. That's the first year I bought a license, and uh, you know. I How was, old would you have been then? Twenties. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> I was. Uh, let's see. I'm not doing math. I was just 16 guessing. Sixteen or okay. You were a teenager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was still in high school, and. Uh, you know, it was pretty cool. You're born in 1903? <laughs> <laughs> it might look that way, but no. No, no, no. 1954. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Okay. Got the math right now. Now you got it. Yeah. Good. But anyway, that's uh, it, it's a good area. Uh, the thing about traditional archery is I didn't have a choice, and I was lucky because uh, there wasn't a compound in the, in the, in the, the choosing of anything. It was just simple pick up a bow if you wanted to be a bow hunter you shot traditional archery right and i remember to this day my cousin and uh, another uh, friend of mine were instrumental in getting me started in high school and we had a place in minnesota called fort ripley so we got ready for to uh hunt fort ripley and i remember that night before uh, opening day sharpening broadheads for hours and hours and i had gone through herders Mm-hmm. To buy my broadheads, I mean, it's a mail order catalog for those back under. In the day, yeah, I've just heard hearsay of it. Yeah, it's uh, it's I don't know who owns it now, but uh, it, it was the only source I had for buying traditional or any kind of archery gear. And I I had ordered some broadheads, and they were called Herder's Ram X broadheads. Mm. Well, they must have been made of pot steel because you could not get them sharpened <laughs> for hours and hours. I practiced sharpening him at the the campfire finally my cousin said here here's a bunch of deltas mm. put them on there they're wood shafts and sharpen them and i did that until four o'clock in the morning when we had to get up and go hunting and uh uh it was a uh, a learning experience but uh it also taught me that uh good gear was very important and mm. and uh <clears throat> you know it, it, it just blossomed from there so what was your first traditional animal? What was your first animal that you took? Uh, 42-pound fawn. Is that right? Yeah, that year's That's fun. a small target, man. That's oh, harder man. than killing a big one. And I hit him when he was running through the heart. <laughs> yeah, it was just, you know, plumb unconscious luck. But I, that was 42 pounds. How did you learn to shoot? Did you, I mean, did you just, there was probably very little resource about, it, like, form. and how, You just started shooting it. Absolutely none. I mean, there wasn't anything. No social media. I just, I picked the bow up. We bought it, uh, 47-pound Ben Pearson. And where I lived, to where I could practice a bow, it was kind of rural, I mean, a city-type area yeah. in, in Minnesota. 
And uh, I'd have to ride my bike for two miles to come to these bales in a park. And I did it every day after school. Every, every so day. you were kind of mesmerized with the oh, bow. Oh, I loved it. You know, I, I mean, I had no idea what yardage was. You are just no shooting it. Just shoot. Let me ask you this. Did you find that the native form that you began to use <clears throat> was correct? Yeah, I, I've been lucky. I, I started with uh, a meridian draw, which is one finger above two. Um, split finger. Split, split finger. Uh, yeah. Uh, I started that way, and I've been that way ever since. And I, I think my form's pretty good. I've learned a lot from people over the years of how to follow through, um, continue aiming at your target in your mind, uh, right, right, that type of thing. And uh, that Jedi master stuff. Yeah, yeah, it was all good. But uh, but when I was learning, I, I didn't have anybody to teach me. Yeah, and uh, I just got lucky. What was your accurate range back in those days? You know, I, I've thought about that over the years. Uh, thirty yards was not a, not in question. I mean, I could not shoot thirty yards. We yeah. always shot ten to fifteen to twenty. It was uh, real close. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't even launch arrows. Like now, I love to watch an arrow fly. Right? You know, fifty, sixty yards, but we wouldn't even think about shooting that far. Yeah. You know, uh, so I would say my my accurate range is ten to twenty. Yeah. You know? Yeah, kind yeah. Of like it is now. Yeah. You know? Well, your eyesight outside of that is probably not too good. You know what, Jeff? <laughs> <laughs> My eyesight is... He was born in 1903. Yeah. You got to give him some credit. Keep it clean. Keep... Yeah. Yeah. He well, started reading when he was 18. So, yeah. But I didn't comprehend until I was 25. That's so, true. You know. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, the... Well, so you kill the deer... Now you were living in Minnesota, yep. but uh, now I, and I don't know very much of your history, but I know that you were in Montana for years, and now you're an Alaskan resident and have spent twenty something years in Alaska. Right, and that's where you've done a tremendous amount of. I mean, you've killed, you've you've taken tons of big game in Alaska and Montana. I've I've been lucky. Uh, well, I, my career is what brought me. Uh, law enforcement brought me to Montana. Um, All the criminals are out west. Yeah, yeah, you bet. We'll see Nebraska, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, Nebraska. But I, but then I went to Alaska, and uh, uh, you know, there's nothing like Alaska. There's nothing like going to a place where you know nobody else has been. Mm. And Alaska, you can still find that. You know, really yeah, cool. when you moved to Alaska for your job, was the intent to? I mean, did you want to locate there so that you could hunt, or was it just where, really where a job opportunity was and you followed that? Well, unfortunately, uh, all my moves were because of hunting. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it was just uh, checking. It was absolutely uh, number one. When did you? What year did you move there? <clears throat> Man, I don't even remember. Nineteen eighty something. Eighty eight. Yeah. You know, and then. But I, I took promotions down south, being down south in the lower 48. Yeah. And then came back up to Alaska, you know, that type of thing. My job yeah. afforded me, uh, you know, free moves. Right. And my family. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, the whole family would move. Uh, so you raised your family in Alaska, and you still got sons there? Yeah. My, they, all the kids graduated in Alaska. Yeah. From high school. So. Tell me, and, and Jeff, if you know... Some prodding questions for Dave. I invite you to ask those. Um, what would so like moving to Alaska? 
like today I feel like Alaska is much more known because of media. I mean, just the transmission of information is so available. But back in the 80s, I mean, Alaska, I mean, obviously you would have known it was good hunting and you would have known all the good things about being an Alaskan resident and a hunter. But I mean, like, what was it like showing up there? A guy from Minnesota, maybe he lived in Montana, so you were kind of acclimated, but in starting to bow hunt Alaska. So, in, in, in you've hunted, and I'll, I'll tee you up here. I mean, you've killed mountain grizzly in Alaska. You've killed sheep. Yep. You've killed, uh, have you killed a muskox up there? Uh, no, bison. Bison up there? Yep. So, I mean, w- what was it like coming into that world with all that well, opportunity? I think the, the most, uh, prevalent thing in my mind when i got up there was very little organized bow hunting i mean people really don't differentiate if you want to shoot it with a spear go ahead it's just yeah. uh, you can hunt right rifle hunting is rifle hunting and bow hunting is nuts you know most of those guys yeah think hey, what are you doing out here right mm. and uh so i ran into a lot of that but it wasn't uh derogatory it was just they'd shake their head and walk away i remember most of the float plane operators you know they'd go what is this? A fly rod? You know? Yeah. I don't know. It's a longbow, but and he kind of giggle, you know. Yeah. But it was, uh, uh, you know, it's a challenge, and that's what traditional archery is. Why didn't you pick up a gun? <clears throat> well, I, I just challenge. I think. I mean, I made my living with a gun. You know, see, a lot of people go through this transition. Is that they start off with this limited technology, like you know, all you had in the '60s was a wooden bow to shoot with. And then as soon as new technology comes around, they're like, heck yeah, forget that stuff. Yeah. But you stayed with it. <clears throat> well, no, I hadn't. Uh, I, I I went on to the compound. Right. And, and I, I have no problem with going back to it someday right, phys- right. physically. If I have a problem, Yeah. I'm going to go back to it. You know, and uh, I have no problem with that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there is a trend to make it easier. Yeah. You and, took heat for that, too, big time. Oh, man, did I? Yeah. Yeah. T- tell us, Jeff. Well, no, I mean he comes from the era of, of I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of folks out there who are friends of ours, who are in you know, big in the business, whoever, some bow, bow makers and traditional bow hunter guys. That when you switch over, it's like you've cheated on your wife. You know, right, right, yeah. It really is fascinating how that works because traditional shooters are mostly the older school guys like we've got some, yourself and and um jake and whatever that uh are young you know and and you don't see that maybe necessarily as much as far as the oldest old school guys if you switch or you <clears throat> go to a compound all of a sudden you're 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 out of the club pretty much yeah pretty much and uh um but not, not only out of the club but you're 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 the devil Friendships really? are affected by it. Yeah, really? Absolutely. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. But what part of the human psyche does that categorize into? I mean, like for real, like it's it's such a it's such a niche, it's such a close knit group that all of a sudden when you do something different, it's like yeah, I mean, I understand it, but it it's just, it is an interesting human It kind of parallels the uh, political climate right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. I mean, that's that's probably a good way to put it. Is that it's like if you all of a sudden were you know a Reagan Republican and you switched over to whatever Democrat. I mean, you're done. Yeah, like your followers are stop following you and and whatever. And I think that's starting to go. 
start to fade as as the older school guys. Yeah, so it's like you broke an ideology. Right. Yeah, it's like right. you broke an ideology. Yeah. It, uh, I was talking this morning with Jake about how when I first started shooting trad or got a trad bow in like 2001 or two, um, the guy that that gave me the bow uh, pretty much said, you know, you you can't do both. You can't shoot a compound and this and be successful. Right. And I kind of got his point, but what I found is that you know, I'm, I'm I can navigate. Both weapons. You know what I found? Uh, I can navigate to both weapons too, but lots of people have told me that same thing. But I tell you, I'm a much better traditional shot after I've shot a compound for a while. Mm. I don't know why, but uh, yeah, much much better. Mm. Just uh, aiming techniques or whatever it is, I I shoot traditionally much better after I've shot a pin with release. What do you guys think about the? <clears throat> And I hope that we are seeing a trend of a lot of new people coming into traditional archery. Um, but you guys haven't been there for a long time. What are you, what are your perceptions? Like good and bad. You can say whatever you want. Of what? Well, just like like uh, um, perhaps it could be like a uh, – well, what I've always said is that you can't fake traditional archery. Like uh, – with a compound, you can you can get a compound and you can become proficient relatively quickly, relatively easy. You can't fake a traditional bow. I think sometimes people perceive that and then so they want to become a traditional archer. Mm-hmm. And then, but then maybe they, I, I don't know. Just what are your perceptions of new people coming? In? Because new people do bring new ideology, new stuff. And I mean, we kind of talked about that. I mean, some of the things. The kids are doing these days are breaking the you know three fingers under and clickers. I mean that's a big deal. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, I think yeah, most, I'm, I'm not even necessarily talking about that. I think but. most most of us when we start off you know young are shooting a stick. You know our parents buy for us to go fling around at sparrows or whatever. I mean yeah. I had an old herder's recurve and I'd go down to the river and shoot carp. You know yeah, in yeah. grade school for the day. You know and so I think that. It's the natural, um, not progression, but I think people are so efficient with these things now. I mean, like deadly, deadly proficient with compound bows. I I see it every year in fall and spring. It blows me away. The guys who can shoot can really shoot, you know, and I think that after a while you might get, you want more of a challenge. And now it's, it's the, it's the rage now, you know, and, uh, you can attribute some of that to, like we were talking, Schneider, Aaron Schneider. He kind of blew the, you know, grabbed it and killed a lot of stuff with it, which kind of, yeah. you know, and so for a lot of the old school guys, <clears throat> I think that kind of, I don't think they knew how to handle that, you know. Mm. And uh, and then because of that, and I'm just using that just one example, but now with social media and all the things that, that you can see at the click of a finger, People are thinking it's you know it's romantic and it's and it's yeah yeah whatever and it's simple, but now a lot of people are going that route, which is great. I think yeah whatever it takes. The only um, thing I I really like to say about that is that um, don't do it because somebody else is doing it. Yeah, to prove yeah. to them that you're the, the stud, right? Yeah, yeah. Do it for yourself because you like simplicity, like you and you like challenge or whatever the reason. 
Yeah. Do it for yourself. And feel good about it, right? Don't 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 show off to somebody else just because you think they want you to look that exactly. Way. Which isn't why Aaron did it. No, no. He just got tired of just killing stuff with his <clears throat> compound. Yeah, I it think. was so proficient, right? Yeah, yeah. But uh, and he doesn't like the accolades. I mean, when you tell him that, you know that what you're doing is changing some stuff. And I mean, again, I'm just using him as an example just because I know him. And uh, but I think it's kind of the the rage right now people are yeah. doing it and which is great for the boyers and you know arrow makers and stuff yeah and it's fun i mean it is fun it's a lot of fun to shoot and frustrating super frustrating well look at the uh, you call any of these boyers up now no no you want a new bowl it's a year Man, and a half you're, you're you're looking at a year to year and a half yeah and they're worth you know? more than compounds exactly yeah by a long shot on some of these boyers. yeah 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 so you know, absolutely, it's growing. And yeah. Cool. Yeah, it is cool. You know, uh, to me, the, just to shoot a traditional bow is fun. And, yeah. and I'm a very proficient compound shooter. And it, shooting a compound has never been fun to me. I mean, just like joy. Like, I hear people talk about that, about how much they enjoy shooting a compound. And, and I mean, just for sheer pleasure, just to go out and just plank arrows. And, uh, and I don't want to say I don't enjoy it, but to shoot a traditional bow – it's fun. Yeah. It, it, it kind of brought back some of the the maybe initial joy uh, and satisfaction that I had with a compound. It's it's brought it back. And it's it's kind of like what I hear. I despise the game of golf. So I can't believe I'm even <laughs> bringing this up on the Barony Magazine podcast. But you hear, you hear people talk about golf, how it's like this game you never perfect. You know, you just keep working. And, and that's what people that have nothing else to do in their life choose to do when they want to be golfers um traditional archery is uh i know i knew i was going to step on somebody's feet uh i'm just i'm teasing my dad tried to push us to be golfers um but traditional archery is like that it's like no matter how long you've done it you're you still have to be on your a game to shoot proficient in the field and take animals there's Mm -hmm. a funny story about uh when I was in high school, junior year, uh, we had a class called archery, and it split to golf. Well, I had absolutely no idea what golf was. I mean, you know, hitting a ball around and trying to put it in a hole, right? That's, that, that was just plumb boring, right? Anyway, the teacher, who was a cool guy, said, hey, you shoot a bow a lot, don't you? I says, yeah, yeah. He says, well, I don't know anything about bows. So would you teach the bow part? And I'll teach you mm. the archery part, and I'll give you an A. And I says, you betcha. And then mm. guess what? I got an A out of that class. So there was a class that was split between archery and golf? Right, right. Wow. Not archery golf, the game. Right, right. But it was you know, like two parts. Two parts, right? And that was pretty wild. That was uh, yeah. Maybe there is some similarities there. Well, yeah, you got to put it somewhere, you know. Hmm. <laughs> um, I want to, let's see. I, I want to hear some... Uh, some Jeff, what's an iconic traditional archery hunt that like would epitomize why you love traditional archery? Like, if you were to ask me that, I think I would have an answer of of like the hunt. Uh, if that's a fair question, and I'm going to ask you the same thing, Dave. It's like dream hunts, or or well, no, no, just, just like in your like, well, in your career, like when you were. The, the first time that you took this animal in this way in this place 
that you were like, this is traditional archery hunting for me. This, this is what I, this is why I do it. Like if you could describe it like that. Mm. Uh, I would put two animals in there. Uh, black bear would for sure be one. I think black bears are kind of custom made for the trad guy. I'm talking, what about a specific hunt though? Was there a hunt that was like iconic for you? Not, or, I mean like a specific animal. Hmm. There's a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. What, what was the first animal you took with a treadmill? Uh, black bear. Really? Yeah. First animal. But yeah. probably my favorite. Well, yeah, black bear's right there. And I haven't hunted them for a long time until this year. But would be mule deer. I think mule deer, in order to, I mean, everything has to come together on an open country spot stock mule deer. There's no, you know, you're not sitting in a tree stand or you're not yeah. calling or you're not doing whatever. Um, yeah. There was one mule deer that I hunted for about eight days, and he, he kept kicking me and, and making me look foolish, and finally I fooled him. But uh, there's a lot and, of them. And when you took that ammo, you were like, this is why I do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, I mean, it, probably the, the bear, you know, I mean, with with, with the self-bow was pretty mm. cool, too. No, that's Up here? One, British yeah, Columbia? Yeah. Yeah. Just south of here. And and actually, when in hitting it and it dying, you know, it's like these things are efficient. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> satisfaction. Yeah, of that. Yeah, well, I mean, fact. you're used to the high speed bow and compound, and then you switch over, and these arrows are shooting 160 feet per second versus at that time maybe 250 or not even, but still, there's a big difference. Yeah, and so I didn't really think that you could kill something you didn't think they were an efficient weapon no yeah no and and it was very that was a struggle for me when i first was for 10 years piddling around with traditional archery i didn't believe that they were an effective killing tool mm-hmm. and then now it's like when i pick up that bow i feel like i could take down any critter on the planet oh mm-hmm. i think and so you can. Yeah. yeah yeah for me it was a antelope <clears throat> And it was on the prairie in Montana. Hmm. And I was stalking antelope before anybody was, because most people thought, well, you're hunting antelope with a bow and arrow? Hmm. Yeah, that's what I did. I I can remember cutting out cardboard and painting it to look like an antelope before Mel Dutton decoys, before Hmm. any of that stuff. And we'd paint these things, and, of course, the wind would just take them and fly them away, but... Mm -hmm. But stalking antelope, and when it finally came together, um, you know, it was about a 25-yard shot on a real nice buck, and he was bedded. And uh, right then and there, I said, man, that that's what it's all about, because it mm. took, took hours to get on that buck. Wow. And then, you know, to, to get it to happen was really satisfying. Yeah, I remember it well. Yeah. That was that's, in the 70s. So. Yeah. You know, for me, <clears throat> now I'd taken animals before this but when i if i look back at my animals that i've taken with traditional gear which is not near as many as you guys have but uh the bear over the water hole on public land in arkansas cool yeah. like because i never thought that that would be a an animal that i would take on public land spot and stock on the ground with a trad bow i mean i i'd never purposefully didn't try to make that hunt happen just because it was just too hard and uh that day it was kind of an accident that even had my bow i was really just scouting 
and it was just you know i was like well i might as well ring my bow you never know and ended up taking a bear found a well i knew where this water hole was didn't anticipate it having a lot of bears coming to it went to the water hole you know two hours up there found a ton of bear sign and just said man i'm just gonna sit here till one comes yeah. sat down two hours later bear walks up eight yards in the water shoot it with a trad bow and uh i think even said i said i'd rather kill that bear and it was a sow it wasn't a big one just a average sow i said i'd rather take that bear and i'm more proud of that bear than a kodiak brown bear because yeah. I, I did it in my home turf and my where i wanted to do it the way i wanted to do it or a way that i didn't expect to do it and then you know so to me it's like i could never kill another animal again and i could hang that bow up and just be like yep I, that was a great I, video yeah i really like that one that was cool you could tell you're excited yeah well it was kind of an accident but then the next day went to the other state just down the road and was able to do it again which that was cool but um jeff what questions do we need to ask dave about uh now you started a couple of traditional archery state associations yeah <laughs> i mean uh, well myself and other people but back in um 1989 i was stationed uh, with the united states border patrol down in florida and there wasn't an organization for traditional bull hunters down there. And I got together with four or five guys and started traditional bull hunters of Florida. Okay. And now it's huge. I mean, like 1,000 members. Okay. Um, yeah, but that was pretty cool. There's only like six of, us, six of us that started that. Yeah. And it's grown since 1989 to what it is today. Yeah. And I was the first president of that. And uh, traditional bull hunters of uh, Montana, I was uh, started – that with Dick Robertson. Okay. And I think that was in 19, oh, it must have been 1980-something, 80 87 or okay. 86, something like that. But, mm-hmm. uh, and that's growing too also. I mean, they're, you know, these things have just blossomed. Yeah. So, I mean, anything's possible, and it's just a bunch of guys getting together to care about something and and, yeah. and make it grow, right? Yeah. And I, I didn't have much to do with the growth part, but at least we started it. You know, yeah that was cool yeah that's great um tell me about one of your your bears in alaska well first of all i don't know what people think about baiting but in in alaska you can hunt grizzlies with bait right and i i originally started out i can tell you what we think about it we love it yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> but there are people like uh well, several up there, uh, the old-time bow hunters, and we all know who I'm talking about, that fought it tooth and nail in Alaska. Really? Oh, hmm. it was like bloody. They didn't want it to happen. Well, it happened, and now everybody can hunt them that way, and, and it's the, the fishing game loves it because they're They did it as a management tool. They needed to take out bears and that they couldn't take them out other ways. Right. Yeah. They had some big boars are dying, you know, grizzlies, and uh, that's that's what it's all about for them. Anyway, uh, I I placed this bait in a remote spot, not thinking about it being a good grizzly spot. Mm. And uh, I set it up and went up there the first night. And my tree stands are only like 10 feet in the air, just because I didn't want my arrow to come down and hit one lung, right? Mm-hmm. So I could, you know, give more a, a different angle. I wasn't worried about, you know, some of the black bears jumping in the tree stand with me. But I'm sitting there, and the first night, 
and this this grizzly gave no indication that he was feeding there, you know, the uh, crap or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a nice black bear came in, and I passed him up, and and he ate and did that kind of thing, and and uh, you know, I let him go, and five minutes later, I see brown. I heard some twig stra- snapping, and it's very thick, very, mm. very, very thick. Mm-hmm. And I look, and I see brown coming through the trees and i said oh great a brown black bear this can be cool right not a lot mm-hmm. of color faces where i'm at mm-hmm. and he's coming in and coming in and immediately i see his face come through the bush and i said oh crap it's grizzly and it's a big one mm. and i'm only like i say 10 feet in the tree so you you were not trying to kill a grizzly no I wasn't. but you had a tag oh yeah yeah we had a tag but that's you so know, you were okay i'm with anybody you. can have a tag in alaska so yeah <clears throat> so we uh or I was by myself. I didn't even have a gun. Wow. And uh, this bear comes in. He smelt that black bear and just went absolutely ape. Mm. He grabbed that barrel and threw it. Then he'd beat it up and jump on it. And you know, I used plastic barrels up there, chained. And so he crushed that. You think he was trying to make make noise to let other bears know that he was in there i think so and, yeah. and he was let everybody know he's i found bad. that bears if they want to be a hundred percent silent they are and if they make noise they're doing it on purpose <clears throat> yeah yeah to let other animals know and he let everybody know yeah and i'll never forget he he bat that barrel around hit it in the air just like muhammad ali boxing a, a bag you know <laughs> it, it was awesome because he was so fast mm. and um and i'm only like 10 yards away from the bait and 10 feet in the air. With no backup. No backup. And I'm figuring, oh, once he figures out I'm here, I'm dead, right? <coughs> well, he did uh, look at me. And if you've ever been looked at by a grizzly, you know it. Because mm-hmm. they're beady little eyes. Just... Mm. And he didn't do anything about it. And he turned broadside and I just dumped him. He took one jump, man. One jump and died. No way. I couldn't believe it. You know, they got this. Bears die easily if they're hit right. Yeah. And this one, I must have hit perfect because he just took a jump and died. He was a 24-inch skull. So. Wow. What, I, what would he, what would he have squared? Uh, probably seven. Yeah. Seven and a half. Yeah. He's not a huge grizzly, but he's, uh, well, he's a grizzly. It's, it's, a, it's an interior grizzly. It's not a coastal brown bear. Right. right. Yeah. That's the ultimate, I think. Yeah. Grizzly and- when I was with Jeff, when I'm, the first hunt I went with Jeff, <clears throat> I had probably the most opportune time um, at a big grizzly that anybody has ever had. You know, two shots at 35 yards, mm. kind of downhill. Mm-hmm. Blew them both, went mm. high on both. I mean, this, was, this is not your average grizzly. This is a big, dark, black grizzly. Mm. It's just a, obviously a boar. Yeah. Yeah, obviously big and bad. Was that right in this area, Jeff? Up higher, <clears throat> up in the Alpine. Yeah, fall. Yeah. It was in the berries. Yeah, oh. we had, yeah. There's a, a burn up there. So yeah, that's where where it was. I watched the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That would have been like ten years ago. Mm, yeah, nine maybe. Yeah, seems eight, like eight. yesterday. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Time flies. Hmm. Big bear. That was a. Uh, Oh, it's not the only grizzly I've missed, though. But yeah, I've had good luck with grizzlies as far as getting in on them and yeah, 
occasionally getting one, you know. Yeah. Jeff, what uh are you thinking of any stories about Dave that need to be told? Yeah, I'm sure he won't mind me telling this one, but Dave's got um when Dave was born, his heart was on the right side of his chest, not mm. his left side. So I don't know what that's called. Dextrocardia. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And so he comes up, and, and we're hunting mule deer, and we go on the stock, and this is a big deer. He's bedded, and he's, I mean, he's in a perfect spot. So we crawl in there. <clears throat> I turn around, and I looked at Dave, and Dave's lips are blue. Hmm. We're 30 yards or 25 yards from this buck. I'm like, dude, are you all right? What's going on? And so in that <laughs> space of time, he tells me that he's got a pretty severe heart condition. Okay. That I'm going to have to draw his bow. And <laughs> and not when he landed and we're at the, the, the room, <laughs> you know, when you'd usually do And so I'm staring at him going, you're telling me this now? You know, and, and so... And we got the bow drawn, and I stood the buck up, and then the buck ran and never got hit. So, yeah, he uh, he could be sitting here and in, in, in having whatever. He could be on the verge of death, but he's never going to let you know that. Mm. <laughs> Ever. So, yeah, he's the most optimistic guy I've met. And, uh, yeah, we've had a... Yeah, we've had a lot of cool. Oh things. man, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So just the other night when you got your bear was awful cool. Yeah, I was glad you were here. Yeah. So y'all want to, y'all want to talk about that? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. We had a uh, couple couple hunters kill out on uh, early, and so that opened it up for uh, for me to be able to tow it around and look around. So yeah. we'd go. Uh, you know, we went to a zone that's quite a ways from here. Kind of stayed right. away from, from well, obviously, from my area. And we'd been seeing a few bears. Not a lot, but some big ones. And uh, mostly it was just to go hang out with this guy, you know. Yeah. Saw wolves and grizzlies and Mr. Wolf. Anyway, um, yeah, just the way it worked. It was just happened fast. Saw him, went up on him. Didn't know if he was, I thought he was a good boar. But the way, I mean, he kind of, when he saw me, he just stood up, put his paws up against the tree and just looked at me. And I kind of hesitated, you know, because I'd like to, I've shot quite a few and I wanted to, and I haven't hunted one in eight years. So you're, you're after a bear, you're after a big one. <clears throat> I, I'd like, yeah. 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 I, I see a lot of these things get shot every year. Yeah. It's not about the meat because my freezer's full of bear meat. Yeah. And moose meat. Which you hunters. guys really enjoy. Yeah. Love it. Oh, yeah. More guys are taking it home now, though. But, uh, yeah, so it's not ever a meat. Whenever I go hunting, it's not it's not for meat because as an outfitter, I'm fortunate. I, my freezer's full of meat. Yeah. You know, people don't. When you fly up here and shoot a moose, you're not flying home with 600 pounds of meat or whatever, 400 yeah. pounds of meat. So, yeah. So just looking for that specific bear that uh, would like to to have for maybe a life size or something Yeah. in, the, in camp here. But. And we saw one that was pretty legit, huge, the night before. And I got to 18 yards on him. But it was raining that night, and it was got darker earlier, and I couldn't really tell where his, I mean, yeah, kind of how he was positioned. He was broadside, but all I had was his spine. 
in his back strap. He's over right. the edge. Yeah. And then I realized that he's staring at me, and then he bolted. Mm-hmm. So anyway, this particular bear, he uh, he stood, and which is perfect, you know. He stood because you kind of startled him. He yeah. saw you, jumped up on the side of a he tree. He knew I was there the whole time. I mean, that's the thing with these guys. They, uh, they're not really – you get some that bolt that, you know, if they get your wind, it's over. But uh, they're, they're, they're pretty cocky, they're, yeah. you know, um, and he, he was cocky and just stared at me. And then I, I made the shot, and I was a little bit, a little bit back. I was through the liver, <clears throat> and then it was a complete kind of a gong show after that. He went up a little bit and shot a few times. Yep. <laughs> yes, I did. And then he, uh, I figured he was dead or was going to die real quickly, and uh, which he did. But just the situation with um, getting him out of there, you know, having Dave. Dave didn't want him to go in there with his his condition, and and you know, so to just thought we'll leave him because I didn't see him die, and I didn't hear him. But you got two good arrows in it, to clarify. You oh, got yeah. two good arrows yeah, in him, yeah. the bear. The first arrow was a killing arrow, but I just, yeah, it's good to hear him die or see him die. And uh, and made the decision to back out and go in in the morning. And uh, we went back in the next morning. Um, he had We found intestines that were pulled out, and then we found the gut pile and uh, no bear. So immediately my guides and I were like, is you know, Something's like wrong. Yeah, something's not right. And Gary went over and checked out this snowbank, and there's a bunch of wolf tracks. And basically those wolves annihilated him, but yet kind of kept the hide intact. Yeah. I mean, their precision, they, they everything it, up to the neck. It, what it was like, it was like they opened up the cape from the hindquarters. It's just kind of out. And then it's almost like they they – Ate underneath the hide all the way up to the skull. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So looking at the bear, now you were able to keep some of the the front shoulders and stuff. Well, just the forearms is the only thing I was able to to keep off that thing. That's the only meat that was available, which is also buco, right? I mean, that's I love the forearms. So, <laughs> yeah. um, and the head was fine, and and yeah, it was just. Uh, it was and that's really the bizarre. first time that's ever happened. Never seen it in. Probably 300 bears I've been in on. I've never seen that particular thing happen. Yeah, we've never had a grizzly on one. We've we've had black bears, other dominant boar black bears consume. Yeah, well, at least one that I know of. But otherwise, they're pretty much left alone. You know, yeah, they're pretty much left alone. And uh, so, yeah, that was kind of a that was an eye opener. It was satisfying for me because I got to see him get hammered. Yeah, mm-hmm. Jeff get hammered. He was excited. Yeah, yeah. And I like to see that in anybody, but uh, yeah. I haven't seen it from him because he's so busy trying to get everybody else something. Yeah. Right? right? And, you know, he gets happy about it, but this was intense for him, and and, uh, and that's what bull hunting does to us, right? Yes. And it was fun watching that in him. Yeah. So so y'all were, the, the way we're hunting sometimes, and the way you were specifically hunting when you had Dave with you, two of you together, you were cruising some of these back roads bears are feeding in the ditches so mm-hmm. you saw the spare from the vehicle mm-hmm. jumped out made a stalk on him mm-hmm. and uh, and so dave you were able to pretty much see everything well, i could see happened. everything right from the that's thing. pretty I, cool i didn't have to get out even yeah because it, as a matter of fact why would i get out because i'd make more noise you know, right, right right 
Yeah, he makes enough noise anyway, right? <laughs> yes, we we found that out this yeah. week. Yeah, yeah. machine beeping. <laughs> it hasn't gone off yet. We've been lucky. Yeah. Oh, man. So, no, it's been nice to have uh, – you know, I usually yeah, – you just – it's a tough thing to do, you know, even if you're in another zone and, and far away. Um, you know, we got a good group of, you know – folks in camp so i wasn't too worried about people being yeah this angry. i want to say is a unique super unique situation in that the guys in camp are, are friends and we've all got you know we've been hunting with gary and and ryan's been taking out cody i mean like yeah so we were all pumped to see you get to go hunt yeah and we yeah we had a good time i mean just sit there and talk and because honestly after you know dave had major major heart surgery six months ago yeah, seven, eight, yeah, whatever. Not too like long. almost a replacement, like <clears throat> heart replacement, right? Well, half of the heart's yeah, a, a pump titanium now. So it didn't Man, matter. That ought to make you better. Oh yeah, I am. Probably make you a better trad bow shooter. Quite a stud, no? Yeah, yeah. no better looking. That's for dang sure. <laughs> oh. But so no, it was fun. It was fun to be able to go out with him, and yeah, we've had some. He's seen me go through some stuff in life, and vice versa. So yeah, it was just cool to be able to go out and you know. Killing the bear was was a bonus, but it wasn't. It wasn't uh, and then things were pretty intense, you know. To understand the context of this situation, when you're when you're trailing a wounded animal that's been left overnight, and you see a gut pile and no bear, automatically you know that animals has been something has preyed upon it. Yep. And your first thought was grizz, because I mean this is grizz country. We and saw so, four of them. This week, we saw four within two miles of that bear. And so you're in a real serious, you're in a precarious situation at that point if it is a grizz. Because he's going to be guarding his oh, kill. Oh, for sure. And that's, and that's where you were like, one of your, one of your uh, guides, I won't say his nickname, um, had the gun and you said, give, give me, me the me gun. The gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sometimes you can get kind of careless. I, th- You know, I mean... You can get careless, and that that'll kill you. So, yeah. uh, mostly now with the grizzlies being shut down in BC, um, it's going to become more and more of a issue with yeah. uh, confrontations, human and, and animal confrontations. I think you're going to see them go up. Well, you will see them go up. Yeah, There's a lot of them. Well, the guys last night saw a big, beautiful grizz out in a spot that we've been hunting several times that i've hunted this week several times we didn't see a grizz there but yeah they're everywhere we've seen them we've seen well two adults uh and both of them were sows with cubs so multiple multiple grizzlies saw a couple of big tracks yesterday i mean fresh tracks mm-hmm. um they're around man big time big time. yeah big time so yeah we uh need to yeah you just always need to be diligent with with paying attention to what's around you i think hunting in in an area where grizzlies makes you a better hunter Mm -hmm. you know it does because you're paying more attention to what's around and where you're at it adds something to the hunt too i mean it uh, grizzly is what the the north american's premier predator right i mean it 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 makes it feel like you're in the wild i mean the grizzly is just so cool you know Mm -hmm. They add a dimension to any hunt, even if you're not hunting them, <clears throat> oh, and absolutely. even if you don't see them. Yep, yep. I mean, that's what a big predator does, is his shadow is always there. Yeah. It's yeah. always in the back of your mind. Yeah, and that, that really adds a lot. Yeah, it does. Which is a lot of reason why your black 
bear that you're stalking every day are as aware as they are. Yeah. I noticed that this year, more so than any other year. Yeah. Um, like seeing us from 200 yards away, and it's like, you know, and bolting. I mean, that's, you know, there's years it's where unusual. you, oh, you can, yeah, they, you can walk right up to them, and, you know, wind yeah. has been an issue. Always is, though, in the mountains of B.C. Yeah. When you better make your move, and you better make it fast, yes. you know, if you can. And uh, a lot of people have a hard time doing that, you know. They, yeah. don't, they think they got to go into super stealth mode, mostly stick guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you yeah. got to run. Yeah. As quietly as you can. Yeah. Well, guys, we've been talking for about 52 minutes. Um, wow. It's uh, – <clears throat> closing thoughts here dave what what would you what would you say to a i don't know what would you say to a young traditional archer getting into it uh i would just say hey love it love it for what it is play it out and just live it because it's it's a wonderful wonderful way to shoot a bow and arrow and uh yeah man just live it and and enjoy every every minute you have with it because it's not always going to hang around right yeah so I'd say live it and love it. That's good. Jeff? I would say don't compare your, you know, if you're getting in, starting in a traditional archery, I, I wouldn't, uh, don't compare yourself to what you're seeing on YouTube or what you're seeing yeah. on, on the internet, yep. social media. Yeah. Because you're not, you know, you're all, all you're seeing on, on online is success. Right. If, if stacking up animals and success is what your goal is, then probably don't shoot a trad bow. But if you like being out there with something simple, I mean, you can kill a lot of stuff with your, you know, yeah. but it takes time. It's not overnight, mostly with instinctive shooting, however mm-hmm. you decide to shoot. But enjoy it and don't uh, don't put the pressure on yourself that you have to meet up to somebody who's shooting lots of stuff, you know. Yeah. You remember um, that article that Gene Wenzel wrote in PBS? It's called Instant Bull Hunter. Look it up sometime. Mm. I mean, it's the perfect, perfect way to write about um, instant bow hunting people that want to be instantly successful. Right, yeah. Yeah, you got to read that sometimes. Yeah, it's, it's, the wrong, it's the wrong thing yep. with yeah. the traditional stuff, but yeah, but fun. Yeah, I, and, and I think that goes back to the motivations of why, I mean, you don't get into traditional bow hunting because you want to kill more stuff. Right. No. That's for dang sure. I mean, yeah. it's self-imposed limitation. Right, you've, right. You've chosen. You got this whole wide world of North American hunting in front of you, or whatever opportunity you have, whether it's whitetails in your backyard, or whether it's you're in BC and can hunt all these critters, or in Alaska, and you you choose how you want to craft your hunting space. You know, and so you you're like, you know what? I've done this. I've done this. I want to choose this limitation and let that be my weapon. And become a traditional archer and uh it, it changes you and it it, it uh and, and what i've always said i think i already said it today is that in a world when in office in authenticity is prevalent i mean you know when you can take a single photograph one second capture of your life and edit it and doll it up and i'm speaking metaphorically but also literally put it on to social media and that becomes your brand like basically, you can forge you can forge a image that's not real. That's what yeah, I'm saying. And I'm not absolutely. saying everybody does that. I have an Instagram account. I have Facebook. I mean, like I'm 
doing this kind of stuff. But in a world that is full of in, inauthenticity and people perceive that, you can't fake being a traditional archer. Yeah. You know? No, and I mean, in, in closing, I think, and in, in the trad guys that are here, and there's a few of us, there's nothing, you, you will never, your life will be changed when you kill your first animal uh, and with, with a stick because you'll go, this can happen. And right. and I believe that, that when that happens, and some for some people, it took me a few years before I did, but when that happens, I, I don't know that you ever go back because that yeah. challenge is so satisfying. It's gratifying yeah. to see what you did, and then, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think anyway. Yeah, Jake would probably agree with me, and Dave, and you. I don't know, but yeah. for me, it was because I had shoulder problems, big time. I got to get surgery. I had a compound brought up to me last year, a new Hoyt that I shot ten arrows through, and I have zero. I like compound guys. I want them in my camp because they're efficient and effective, and. uh but, yeah, it just felt so weird to me. In fact, I couldn't even shoot it, really. Mm-hmm. I, well, I'm so used to coming and going. And I couldn't hold, sit there and hold it. I didn't know what, what a bubble was, <laughs> like, for leveling. Yeah. It was just so, I mean, I would, it would took me a, while, a long time to be proficient with that, which is yeah. crazy. So yeah. there's skill in both, but, yeah. Yeah. It's good. Right on. Well, thanks, guys. It's been a pleasure to share camp with both of you, for real. It has. Yeah, Thanks, appreciate it. Thanks for coming up. And yeah. yeah, it's your last day. So, yeah, we got to go kill a bear. Yeah, let's go get kill a bear, man. From your face and go. Yep. Shoot one of we got to. We got to go get one. Keep the wild places wild because that's where the bears live. Right on, man. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Hey guys, turkey season is in full swing right now. And if you are planning on getting after it, make sure to pick up some meat eater Phelps turkey calls to stuff into the old turkey vest or into your fanny pack right now. I carry a few different things. I like to use mouth calls and I like to use pot calls. Mouth calls or diaphragms, I like them because it gives you hand-free calling, meaning when you're working a bird up close, you can have your gun on your knee, finger on the trigger, ready to roll, and still be making turkey sounds. I like pot calls. I just like pot calls. I enjoy calling with a pot call. Whatever direction you go, including a box call, which I don't personally use too much, but they're fun and great, and I started out with them. Yanni, on the other hand, one of my main turkey hunting buddies, he loves box calls. And what's funny is I'll now and then look to him and give him the look that means get out your box call and find us a turkey. So it's not that I don't like him. I just have Yanni use his. Then I don't have to carry it. Go to Phelps Game Calls. Get calls that are made in the USA and get calls that'll get them close. Find yours at phelpsgamecalls.com today.